do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cuberlist. Let's start by saying that if you listened to last episode, uh, I really enjoyed that. I sort of just let flow what may, and I'm uh, going to try to keep that sort of uh, feeling going in the future. Uh, some things, podcast-wise, I had sort of just it, it become very rote. And uh, followed a formula, uh, and we're going to still have the same formula. Um, I still got the timer, but uh, when things come up that I want to talk about, I just will, okay? <sighs> so without further ado, I'm going to push the button that will start a series of five five-minute timers so we can discuss movies, TV, maybe books? <sighs> Spoiler, no books this week. Uh, next week I will have. I finally finished my goddamn book. Um, pushing button, uh, internet, oh yeah, game now, but thing. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Movie Style Magic Effect Causing Lightning. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, we have Colossal from 2016, starring none other than Anne Hathaway, who I don't know if I've ever really seen an Anne Hathaway movie, and uh, I enjoyed her. She's, uh, she's very pretty. Uh, she's a good actress. Uh, for some reason, she's sort of known. One of the things Anne Hathaway is known for is that people don't like her, <laughs> which is a horrible thing to be known for, and uh, I personally don't understand it. Uh, uh, let me read the imdo, because I'll bet you it'll be funny for this one. <clears throat> cough, cough, cough. Uh, Gloria is an out-of-work party girl forced to leave her life in New York City and move back home. When reports surface that a giant creature is destroying Seoul, Korea, she gradually comes to the realization that she is somehow connected to this phenomenon. Da -da -na -na -na. Phenomena. Da -da -na -da. Uh, yeah, so basically, this is a weird movie, and right off the bat, weird movies get an extra point. Uh, a movie where the things that happen with them are unlike anything you have seen in other movies, that should get two extra points. And in fact, it probably does. Uh, just on the rating scale that I have, uh, I'm going to give this a solid five. Yeah, loved it. Uh, I love weird shit like this. She learns through sort of a not very difficult detective work that 
the giant monster destroying Seoul, uh, South Korea. Seoul South, right? Yeah. Where's that? North. Shit. Seoul South Korea. South Korea. Uh, is being controlled by her. So when she puts her arm up, the monster puts its arm up. When she does a little dance, the monster does a little dance. <laughs> Which is pretty funny, those scenes. Uh, and then, you know, shit sort of goes awry. It's got a bit of a... <clears throat> what you think is going to turn into a love story between uh, her and Jason Sudeikis. Uh, and that's the other thing I liked of this movie. I thought it was going to have a sort of underlying uh, love story between the two. Uh, I will say, no. No, it does not. <laughs> but the fact that I thought it was, and then it was sort of twisted and turned, and that didn't happen. Uh, I also say in this podcast often that I like movies where... Uh, I cannot tell what is going to happen, because usually I can. Uh, so the fact that it's a weird movie, and I couldn't tell where it was going to go, uh, that's why. It's getting a 5 out of 5. Moving on to 11, 8, 16, which is a, a documentary. Excuse me, I'm going <coughs> to... <coughs> Cough. <coughs> I feel like I have a frog in my throat of some sort on the morning of election day 2016 americans of all stripes woke up and went about living their lives these were the hours leading up to donald trump's unexpected earth-shaking victory but of course no one knew that yet uh the documentary maker i wonder like how i guess my sort of interest there is how did they have the foresight or I guess you could just tell going in that it was going to be an interesting day, no matter what. But uh, this this documentary maker, who is it? Dwayne Anderson, Don Argett. There you go. Uh, somehow had the foresight to film uh, a sort of the 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 day of the election from uh, half a dozen plus different people's perspectives and just sort of how they were feeling throughout the day. Uh, these are just normal everyday people all the way up to people working on Hillary's campaign uh, from both sides of the aisle. It was just sort of a, a fascinating thing to see. Uh, and, and then to the one thing I didn't like of this movie was the reliving of that sort of sinking feeling. Uh, that feeling of uh, you think it's going one way and then slowly things start to turn, turn, turn. And, and a lot of people uh, in this movie just didn't believe it until it was over. Uh, so uh, it was kind of reliving that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that part I didn't care for. But the, uh, but the movie itself, uh, very, very interesting. Uh, kind of a solid four out of five. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, moving on to The Diner, starring... Uh, Mr. Steve Coogan. Uh, basically, any movie Steve Coogan is in, I watch. Just period, full stop. Uh, love him. Love him. And all he does... <clears throat> I wanted to stick the, the timer, but uh, I'm not going to rush as much. as Because, as I mentioned on the top of the show, we'll do what we want. Uh, yeah, as I was saying, uh, Steve Coogan and anything I like, uh, this much darker turn than other things he's been in, obviously. Uh, two sets of wealthy parents meet for dinner to decide what to do about a crime their sons have committed. The crime that their sons have committed. Incredibly dark. 
something that I think may have happened in real life too. I, I think I've heard of this a crime on more than one occasion. I, I won't get into what it is, but it's some fucking dark shit, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so uh, the father, uh, the so it's Steve Coogan, Richard Gere, Laura Linney, and who plays the other girl? Laura Hadjik. Uh, I don't know what order this is in. Uh, and another girl, <laughs> who's, uh, all, all very good. Um, rating-wise, I think I'll go, like, a, a three, which is enjoyable watching but wouldn't watch again. I, I, I can't see a situation where I would want to watch this again. Not for the reason that it's a bad movie, just because it's, 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 it's pretty dark, and I like seeing Steve Coogan in a more light-hearted role. Uh, next, moving on to, if you have Netflix, you have no doubt seen this movie shoved in your face a lot. Uh, the Meyerowitz stories, and then for some reason, in brackets, new and selected. Very, very strange name. And <coughs> uh, an estranged family gathers together in New York for an event celebrating the artistic work of their father. Uh, the father played by Mr. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, the kids played by uh, Adam Sandler... Elizabeth Marvel, and what is his name again? None other than the incomparable. Why do they put these in orders where it's hard to find things? <coughs> Man, this frog in throat. What's the deal? Uh, none other than Ben Stiller, a name that I should have remembered but didn't for some reason. Uh, this is a Netflix-created movie, which uh, is probably why. Uh, when you went on Netflix, this would constantly sort of pop up. Um, the people involved meant that I thought it wouldn't be just sort of a typical uh, dumb, yeah, sure, dumb uh, Adam Sandler movie. And uh, it wasn't, so I'm happy to report. Uh, it, it, it sort of delves into a lot of uh, father-son stuff, which I always find interesting. Uh, it took a turn at the end, which I really, really liked uh, for personal reasons. Uh, one of which is that I haven't spoken to my father in, geez, got to be going on near a decade, uh, somewhere in that area. Uh, the, the sort of idea that if your father is not the greatest father, you should not feel that you owe him anything. So uh, that was sort of the very last scene, the, the end of the movie takeaway. So uh, for that reason, uh, I'm going to give this movie, geez, a four out of five. Let's go. Uh, last but not least, uh, we'll, we'll skip through this because uh, I always find it difficult to talk of stand-up specials regardless. So uh, the fact that we're out of time is a blessing in disguise, let's say. Uh, Patton Oswalt Annihilation. Uh, yes, uh, long awaited because I had heard he sort of delved into the death of his wife and uh, the fact that this just supremely competent comedian uh, can move from Trump jokes, although he doesn't uh, he, he doesn't focus on that too much. Uh, but he, he does, he even, uh, he, he jokes about how he doesn't focus on it too much. Like, that's how, how, how good he is at this, at this thing, at this art. Um, there, there, there is a sort of very well-defined moment in the special where he's like, all right, we're going to move over to this subject now. 
Uh, and I, I did appreciate that as a as a watcher because you are kind of like waiting with bated breath for it to happen. And I think the fact that he almost drew attention to that fact uh, was was very well done. Uh, lots of laughs, which you want, and then also uh, makes you think a little bit of, of, of sort of life and stuff like that. So really the best of both worlds, directed by Bobcat Goldwaith, which uh, he's done quite a few comedy specials, I do believe. So I like that fact as well. Uh, I'm going to go... Can I go five out of five? <clears throat> I don't think I can, just for the reason that... Five out of five for stand-up specials, I tend to give more to, and this is just sort of a personal preference from what I like to watch more, uh, to joke tellers as opposed to storytellers. Uh, I just tend to lean towards them. So I'll go four out of five with an asterisk of if you like storytellers more than joke tellers, then you probably give it a five out of five. Huh? Convoluted ratings. Yes. The television talk today's television talk is the world's first haunted strip club boobs thank you for that sponsorship and well, the first we have Bar Rescue. Uh, the Mrs. and I have, I do believe, fairly, not 100%, become saturated. What that means is we will find a show, such as Bar Rescue, and then watch the bejesus out of it. And then uh, when we check the PVR for new episodes, we'll be like, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. Uh, and then maybe get lucky with one we haven't seen. So we're, we're getting near that sort of uh, saturated point. Um, I did want to bring back this one particular, uh, particular, it's not a word, episode uh, in which uh, John Taffer, if you're unfamiliar with the show, goes into failing bars and sort of turns them around, uh, makes them non-failing so that they start to make money and uh, turn around, blah, 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 bling, bling, blah. Uh, stuff like that's been done before. Uh, this particular episode, though, he went to a strip club bar. Where, as you can imagine, girls take their tops off. <laughs> uh, this, like, John Taffer, love him. Uh, I don't want to put, uh, say anything other than the fact that, I, that I'm a big fan. The Miz is a big fan. He seems like an interesting dude. Uh, if you get the chance, listen to his episode of the Nerdist podcast, uh, and you will be, I believe, as fascinated with him as I. Uh, but he does have a slight, just little teensy bit of sliminess. Uh, to him, I think it's mostly the haircut. Uh, he is uh, quite obviously has gone somewhat bald. As someone who has also gone somewhat bald, I went the route of just shaving my head. He went the route of uh, I don't know, uh, perhaps Ron Popeil hairspraying maybe be involved, but there's a certain slicked back sliminess to his haircut that sort of lends that sliminess a little bit to his demeanor. Um, some of the ways in which he manipulates people, and I think he admits it on the Nerdist podcast, uh, not for any negative sort of means. Like, he will, the way I always describe it, uh, he will tear you down uh, so he can build you back up again. So he'll take a failing business owner and really just tear him a new one like 
the more horribly than anything you've ever seen and any person talk to another and so that person is just a, a puddle of themselves but but the by the end he's sort of thrown in compliments he's he's built you up he's trained you uh he, he, literally by the end of just about every episode the person that he worked with will give them a hug and like be their best friend and and, and want them in, and want John to to come back and and be in their lives from then on like a like a dad or something I, I don't know very very interesting how he does it and there's ways he he sort of subtly changes people uh it's sort of fascinating to watch uh, and, and then there's the fact that he's always sort of big on science, the science of bars, so uh, that I appreciate. Uh, check out uh, the Power Strip episode, that was the name of the strip club when it was done. It was Chicks on Dicks, <laughs> because it was on a street called Dicks, D-I-X, uh, in like an industrial section, so the original name was Chicks on Dicks. Yep. Uh, okay, I also wanted to include a, a new show that Mrs. and I started to watch, uh, to cat, not to, just catch a contractor, starring none other than fellow podcaster, I suppose I could say, Adam Carolla. Uh, this was a show that, uh, always wanted to watch, but it was on a channel that, uh, uh, we didn't have. Uh, I spoke of in a somewhat recent episode that the Mrs. and I made a switch from Rogers to Bell for our, uh, providers, uh, and, uh, Bell has the television show Spike, in which, to, in which Catch a Contractor, I keep on saying To Catch a Contractor, because wasn't it To Catch a Predator? Or was it just Catch a Predator? That's another show I always wanted to watch, but could never find. Anyways, uh, stars, uh, Adam Carolla, uh, Skip Bedell, uh, his wife, private investigator, uh, and basically they're taking, uh, they're finding families that had contractors come in and do shitty work on their houses, and then catching them uh, using this private investigator and then giving them uh, three options. Uh, one, you give the money back. Uh, two, you uh, prepare to be sued and uh, the Catch a Contractor show will help pay for the legal bills. Or uh, three, seemingly the option they all choose or else there wouldn't be an episode, uh, come back uh, and help uh, fix the work you did under our supervision, that, that sort of idea. Uh, looks like there's three seasons, 32 episodes. Uh, we've only maybe watched five or six so far. Uh, it, it's a good show. My only complaint is I wish there was a lot more uh, Adam Carolla. So <laughs> he is uh, so amazing at just talking, period, but talking to people uh, in particular that uh, I, I, I wish there was more of him. Like it, it focuses a little too much on uh, Skip and uh like i don't really need to see the the tr tracking the guy down that, that part seems a uh, it was interesting the first couple of times but uh you know I, I don't really need to see that quite so much uh and then the the contracting part is is done pretty well like if i wanted to just watch that i'd watch like a homes on homes i i think they do that part better uh ideally what i want i think i've just figured it out is uh, homes on homes uh, but instead of Mike Holmes, have Adam Carolla. Or hell, you know what? Get the both of them together. I bet you Adam Carolla and Mike Holmes. Oh, man. Buddy, uh, uh, not a buddy cop show, but, oh, you know what? I'm going to write this down. Okay, so this will work its way into the title of the episode. Something with Mike Holmes, Adam Carolla, buddy, uh, house inspector. <laughs> house inspector. 
show. Instead of like a buddy cop show. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, okay. So uh, I'll push this button and uh, we'll move on to, uh, you know, uh, other things. Oh, shit. Today's book banter sponsor is Peace Spores. Give Peace Spores a chance. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I'm uh, going to be talking, as we have done so far with every episode, uh, the last two episodes of uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, last two episodes of the... What, what are we calling this? It's, it's not last two episodes of the season, is it? Uh, shit. Uh, what is the... Uh, man. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry. What was the last... Uh, sorry, I'm gonna pause uh, for one second uh, to do some... Okay, uh, sorry, I, I just had the wrong uh, episodes open for some reason. I had episodes... 7 and 8 open when we're going to be talking about episodes 8 and 9, which is just silly. Uh, yes, uh, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, as predicted, we have been going through every single episode of Star Trek Discovery because they're too good not to talk about in uh, television talk, which I've just really realized this is a double television talk this week because I haven't finished my book, which I mentioned at the top of the show. Fuck! This episode was going so good, and then it went off the rails. Okay, so episode 8, what was it called? Production number 108. Uh, CV Passum Parabellum, which, of course, stands for, If you want peace, prepare for war. <laughs> uh, da -da -da -da. Uh, story and script, continuity, uh, the episode established a romantic relationship between Michael Burnham and Ash Taylor. <laughs> it's funny that the girl's name is, uh, Michael, and the, uh, guy's name is Ash. My sister's name is Ashley, we call her Ash. My sister's son is named Michael, we call him Michael. What? Uh, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, also they... Uh, you, you know what, I'm just reading from the Memory Alpha. Uh, the romance also proceeds from the start of romantic affiliations, the time loop previous, parallels, okay, well, that's not really exciting, anything. So, uh, this episode was, of all of the nine that have happened so far, my least favorite, and I feel like the least amount happened, sort of. Which is uh, kind of not a very nice thing to say, but uh, I think the fact that I'm saying it is because uh, my hopes after every episode is so crazy high because they're so friggin' good. So, you know, that's something. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the final episode of the... Are they calling it a season? 
I, I don't know. There's not going to be a new episode until uh, the new year, uh, until January 2018. So uh, maybe it's just like a month off. I'm not really quite sure what the deal is. Like when the season break is? I don't know. Uh, okay, so in this episode we have a battle between uh, the, the Discovery and the Klingon Ship of the Dead, which is pretty awesome. Uh, there's a point where they're sort of jumping around using their drive that lets them hop through uh, space in incredible fungally ways. Um, so much shit happens in this that it's fucking crazy. First of all, uh, Burnham and Ash hop over to the Klingon ship because they have to place things, <laughs> call them MacGuffins, uh, things so that the... Uh, a ship can be seen through the cloak that it has, because this is sort of the first clean-on cloaked ship. Uh, then they have to jump around, like, hundreds of times through these fungal things that I mentioned before and didn't really explain. Uh, I didn't really get what the reason that they had to do that in order to sort of find a frequency. Yeah, I didn't really understand that part. Doing so... Uh, meant that the uh, the the dude who uh, gets hooked up to this fungal drive, I'm going to call it from now on, <laughs> became sick and near dead. Uh, and then we sort of end, and this is the spoilery part, but uh, really, really fucking cool part that uh, gave me remembrances of another Star Trek show for obvious reasons. Uh, they're about to zoom home after having defeated the Klingons, perhaps once and for all. Well, at least for this part. Uh, and then they sort of find themselves uh, somehow, some way, accidentally in an area of space where they have no idea where they are. Uh, they, I was going to say they weren't, or how they got there, but no, they did know how they got there. But uh, imagine being in a spaceship... Uh, and, and then suddenly your ship is somewhere else in space and you have no idea where it is. Space is pretty big. Uh, and the fact that they have this drive that can take them seemingly anywhere in the blink of an eye. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you my theory of where they, I think they are. I think they are, because uh, there was some talk of alternate dimensions. I think they're in the evil dimension. And I, I call it the evil dimension for the reason that uh, it had like an evil Spock and Kirk. Uh, in uh, Deep Space Nine, they did a lot of different evil episodes where they would go to the evil dimension and there'd be like a, a sexy Kira. <laughs> that was always the best part of those ones. Uh, whenever they would go go there, it was uh, Kira's uh, alternate reality version was like basically super, super sexed up uh, and would have sex with anything with a pulse seemingly. So uh, that was always pretty fun. Uh, I just realized that I forgot to hit play on my timer. I, I looked down at it. I'm like, I, I, I felt like I've been talking for a while. Why isn't the timer going? Oh, boy, folks. Really, really drop the ball on this one. Just all over the place. Uh, okay, well, let's look at the continuity of this while we wait. Uh, this episode is the first Star Trek episode to film or film to feature a romantic kiss between two men. Oh, yeah, you know what I wanted to say about folks? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sort of uh, proud of myself and my uh, wokeness, I, I believe, and I don't have pride in very many things that I do, uh, but uh, 
this is the first time I've seen an on-screen kiss between two men, and I actually reacted with a, oh, <laughs> like, uh, like it was like these two had been through a lot, and uh, then they kissed, and I, and I will be 100% on, honest with you, as I try to do on the podcast, normally when I see men kiss, there's a, like a, a, a physical reaction that it's not something I ever had control of, it, it's just, it made me kind of like cringe a little bit, uh, just for the reason that men are gross, <laughs> myself included, I guess. Uh, so th- I think something has happened in my brain that uh, I am pleased with, that uh, I saw two men kiss in this, and, and my reaction was a, a romantic, oh, literally that happened. So uh, I guess people can change. Let's hope uh, that's, that's true of others and, uh, you know, good things. Today's game, Gabin sponsor, is Turing Test Tutors, or TTT. Do you have a Turing Test coming up? Let us prepare you at Turing Test Tutors, TTT. Oh, this is a coincidence. The, the, the game that we're going to be talking about is called the Turing Test. Oh, that's a, that's a fine coincidence. <sighs> Turing Test is a first-person puzzle video game developed by Bulkhead Interactive, published by Square Onyx. Enix. The game was released for Microsoft Windows and Xbox One in August 2016, while a PlayStation 4 version was released in January 2017. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's from the Wikipedia. Uh, got this on a recent Steam sale. I believe it was the Steam Halloween sale, in fact. Uh, it, I had heard of it before, and uh, always in a sort of positive light. Uh, one thing I had heard and can now confirm is that shares a lot of similarities to the video game Portal uh, without the sense of humor. Yeah, that's probably not quite as good and not funny as Portal. <laughs> uh, you know what else I heard someone say? And it sort of goes with being hand-in-hand uh, hand with what I what I just said not being that fair. If this game had to come out before Portal or around then, we would have been amazed with it. It's just we have Portal. So, you know, um, now it's not a game in which you are, have a portal gun where you'll shoot it somewhere, walk through, uh, and then go where you shot through the, the, this, you know, you know what portal is. If you're listening to a podcast where a guy talks about video games, you've heard of the video game portal, right? Uh, instead, how do you describe it? It, it sort of develops, uh, over the course of the game where uh, it, it starts relatively simple where you're not really portaling around but uh, eventually uh, what I'm describing as portaling uh, is you can hop into electronic devices and, and by that I mean I'll look at a security camera uh, and then I'll push a button and I'll be seeing through that security camera uh, then I can move that security. Secure, <laughs> I can move that security camera around as you do, uh, and then look at a control panel. Uh, then I can take that security camera while pointing at that control panel and sort of disarm a lock, uh, which will then uh, I'll push another button and I'll go back into my body. 
which will then let me open the door and walk through the door. That's just a very, very simple example. Uh, there's, there's other things you can go in. You can go into robots uh, that sort of zoom around. Uh, you're usually in your own quote-unquote body, which is that of a, I guess, a space person. This, this is a person in a spacesuit, and you're exploring this giant spaceship trying to uncover what happened which is something that happens in space video games it's always in space video games you're always trying to quote unquote uncover what happened uh, so that's another thing the story didn't really pull me in uh, i should say i was playing on steam so if you do want me to see if you do want me to see rather if you want to see me play this game as a uh an anthropomorphic polar bear you can do so an anthropic anthropomorphic polar bear by the name of Pickles McGee, no less. Uh, let me read the uh, plot. No, wait. Yeah, let's see what the plot's all about. Maybe it'll give us some idea. Uh, in the far future, engineer Ava Turing... Oh, well, that's convenient. Uh, yeah, because it's not really a, a Turing test, really, I guess, is it? A, a Turing test, if you're unfamiliar with that term... Uh, is like a, a test given to a artificial intelligence uh, in order to determine if it is an artificial intelligence. So if you have a artificial intelligence that is so spot on uh, as to be identical to your human and you give it this test, uh, it should pass it. Uh, if it doesn't, uh, this test will tell you that it is uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, now, I feel like I should specify that saying that this test, quote-unquote, doesn't actually exist. It's just the fact that you would test. It's not like a set test. I don't know what I'm doing. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Chult's Jungle Tours. Thank you for that sponsorship. Internet's Intercourse item, the first, DSD is for nerds. Hey, how dare you? Uh, yes, uh, have finally, geez, it took me a while to get caught up with D&D for nerds, and uh, they have moved into what they're calling their Annihilation Now, which is a play, I do believe, on Apocalypse Now. Uh, arc uh, where they're uh, sort of into the uh, jungles of Chult, which if you know anything of uh, D&D, more specifically of the Forgotten Realms and Faerun, uh, you know Chult is not an area you want to visit. <laughs> There's fucked up shit in there. Uh, I'm running a D&D campaign eventually. Uh, I don't think uh, the people... And even if they do, even if the people I'm DMing for listen to this, eventually we will be going to Chult. Ooh, you know what's interesting? Next session we're going to the Underdark. Uh, that's sort of a uh, just just a side note that I'm excited about getting people, getting players into the Underdark and fucking shit up, man. Uh, anyways, uh, in Chult it's just like a picture of the Amazon version of D&D uh, &D is probably a good way to boil it down. So all the fucked up shit in the real Amazon uh, plus magic and dragons and dinosaurs, actual dinosaurs. Oh, shit. Uh, they had, and I have to assume the Dungeon Master created this. Uh, I don't think it's actually something that exists. Like, I, I think he must have homebrewed it, which, which I love. 
a zombie Tyrannosaurus Rex that occasionally will barf out zombies? What the fuck? Yeah, that I love. Shit like that is the reason I play and uh, run D&D games, is, is to find while playing or make up shit like that. Like, what did I have in mind? Uh, we'll get into it uh, probably not next week or the week after. We'll do a recap of my last uh, D&D game for, in our Game Gabin segment. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Any, anyways, uh, D&D is for nerds. Check it out in general. Uh, you could start with Annihilation now and see how you like it and then go back and listen to other ones or start at the beginning. Hey, you do you. Uh, next is Call of Duty World War II Twitch streams rather uh yeah a lot with with call of duty world war ii coming out uh, on twitch as you can imagine you're going to see a shit ton of people playing it uh the call of duty games i've played them i've had enjoyment while playing them but they really don't speak to me uh it's just that like to be good at it to, to be good enough at it that i would have fun I would have to devote my life to it. I feel like, <laughs> like a like a like a game you could just pick up and play, uh, and be on a somewhat level playing field. Whereas, uh, even people who are on Twitch playing this, people who are good at video games, uh, will play it, die, play it, die, play it, die, play it, die. Seemingly, they're playing in thirty-second chunks between death. Uh, and that fast pace, I suppose, can be exciting for some, but I don't find it exciting to play, for sure. And, you know what, I didn't really find it that exciting to watch. Like, uh, I'd rather watch someone play PUBG, where the games are a little more... I feel like different things can happen. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on to Welcome to the Shadow Zone. Season 2, question mark? Yeah, I, I, I think if this web series, yeah, web series, uh, is broken up into season, season 2, the final episode just posted, I do believe. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, the stars Onyx the Fortuitous. He's into LARP. He's got a band called the Thrice Damned. Uh, he had to move out of his mom's basement uh, garage, I mean, uh, and I think is moving in with his dad in Vegas in next season, if there is one. Uh, if none of what I'm saying doesn't make sense, that's okay. Just uh, go watch it and trust me that there will be laughs aplenty with Onyx the Fortuitous. Uh, last but not least, we have a podcast, a new podcast series, let's go, because I, I don't know how ongoing it will be, hopefully it will be very ongoing, uh, is playing games with Jimmy Pardo, or James Pardo if you prefer, and I hope you don't because his name is Jimmy. Uh, yeah, uh, Jimmy Pardo from Never Not Funny, big, 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 big fan of uh in fact listened did i listen to oh yeah yeah i listened to it on my uh drive home uh today uh episode three so far he's had guests nikki glazer scott ackerman and zach galifianakis uh basically what it is uh take his podcast never not funny that's uh you know an hour and change two hours long uh boil it down to a half hour and uh, play games with uh, three people on the phone from all over the globe. I was going to say all over the U.S., but uh, they had someone from Canada today. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, they'll, they'll play sort of uh, trivia games. Uh, one they played with, Zach Galifianakis, was cool today. What was that? Uh, so there would be someone doing charades in the room. 
Uh, and then Zach would uh, describe the charade to the person over the phone. So it's like broken telephone charades. Very, very interesting. Uh, the interesting, actually, about that was the people got it fucking quick, man. Like, it was eerily quick how, how quick they answered. Uh, of someone describing someone playing charades. Uh, that's pretty good. Scott Ackerman, I, I just love him, period. Uh, for obvious comedy bang bang would you rather scenario seven eight now submissions chosen by him of me uh and then nikki glazier uh probably oh geez one of my favorite contestants on uh, uh at midnight so so freakishly quick one of the the quickest wits in the biz uh, and her and Jimmy sort of uh, busting each other's balls. Her lack of balls does not mean that she can't bust or have her balls bust, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, really, really love it. Uh, I hope you check it out for the reason that the more that check it out, the more they will make, and then I will get more. So, there. Let's end this by saying what I say at the end of every episode, which is it's nice to be nice to the nice. I like Ron. Why did that cut off? This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper